listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on acapella. At the top of the hour this hour, the new Casa Board. In July, the Contemporary Acapella Society, or CASA, announced their board for 2016-2017. With the exception of a leadership change, it looks, well, a whole lot like the board of 2015-2016. Lauren France has joined, heading up marketing and communications for the organization, while Gina Deaton is the new secretary. Events, technology, development, and education all remain the same. And last year's president, Greg Rubin, becomes the treasurer, while previous vice president, Tom Anderson, takes over the reins. You can get bios for all the current members at casa.org. All the best to the new team. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus. We've been on a bit of a hiatus for a couple weeks here playing some reruns, but we are back now. I have been in the process of moving to Colorado State where I'm doing some master's work, but Tacapella is back. We are today joined by a fantastic acapellaite. His name is Shams Ahmed. Shams, say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, everyone, we had season one of Tacapella, which was kind of focused on uh, not me, but my experiences in my interactions with the acapella world, my friends, my instructors, my directors, my co-arrangers, my buddies in the acapella world, and that was season one. And in season two of this little show, the plan is to really get out into the bigger world of acapella. So Shams, would you mind telling us just about you? Because I, you know, I know I know from your bio, but we've never met in person, which is kind of an exciting thing for the show that we're getting into, you know, uh, spreading our wings a little bit, meeting new people. So if you want to just tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself, that would be awesome. Totally. So as you know, my name is Shams, and mm-hmm. I am uh, originally from New Jersey. I grew up in a town called Cherry Hill, mm-hmm. uh, where I attended, you know, schooling from when I was a child until right before I went to college. Um, I was involved in choirs and singing and acapella groups starting in middle school, I would say. Oh, wow. And that's where, you know, I started. Yeah, we were in a middle school acapella group. It was literally called Boys Acapella. Um, <laughs> Creative. <laughs> It was very creative, but the, actually, the the girls group had a, a name. They were called the Rosettes. I went to a Rosa International. Well, it's because I went to the middle school. The name of the middle school was Rosa International oh, Middle School. Okay, and so they were called the Rosettes. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like off of that. But then we were just called boys acapella, so that was kind of lame. But, um, <laughs> but you know, shout out to my middle school Rosa International. Um, and yeah, you know, I I started acapella there. We were doing like some barbershop stuff, like little you know, cute four-part arrangements, and mm-hmm. it was fun. Um, I got to really bond with the, the guys in that group. I mean, I guess we were boys because we were in middle school, but, um, you know. And then in high school, I went to Cherry Hill East, uh, where I was very heavily involved in, like, choral music and uh, in musical theater. We had a very robust musical theater program there. And then, uh, you know, I was also in several small singing ensembles, mm-hmm. including um, a, a contemporary acapella group called Casual Harmony, which was actually the original 
original Casual Harmony. Um, there's another Casual Harmony based out of Rutgers University, which is actually, mm-hmm. I think, founded by the same person who was in Casual Harmony, uh, Dave Rabizadeh, who is the director of ICCA. Uh, he also went to my high school, not at the same time as I did. but That's still pretty cool. Uh, yeah, good times. So, you know, that's where my acapella love kind of mm-hmm. was born. And, you know, when I went to college, I decided to be in an acapella group and, and do all that. So I, I uh, started with the Nor'easters in college, and that was my first major kind of mm-hmm. acapella project. And I we would play say. them on the station all the time. Fantastic group. Yes, you guys do. Thank you for playing of the group. Of we, you know, I, I got into that group my freshman year. I started music directing them uh, in the second semester of my freshman year, all the way up until my the end of my senior year. Um, during that time, we did a lot of things, a lot of awesome things. We we uh, won several competitions. We competed. We went to the ICCA and eventually won that in my senior year. Uh, nice. We recorded several albums got to know a lot of people in the acapella community and really made a name for ourselves. Uh, And that was between 2008 and 2013. Uh, During the end of that time, I also actually founded an all-female group at Northeastern University. Uh, We called it Pitch Please, and they are still in (laughs) existence. They're doing really well. Um, So, you know, that was kind of the experience that I had in college. Um, During that, I also got to actually do some music directing for uh, for a theater, I music directed a production of Spring Awakening, which was really fun. Such a good uh, show. Yeah, it was a really good show. I love that show. So it was really fun. You know, college was amazing for me. I actually majored in uh, finance and Mandarin language. So that was. Uh, so you so you were not a music major, but you were doing all this crazy music stuff and being a musical director and stuff. But you, you so yes. you didn't. Man, I. Wow, that's so different from my experience, which is where all the musical directors were music majors. So you must have um, ah. lots of like inherent talent to be able to manage all that and also musically direct a group. So that's that's fantastic. It certainly was a uh, juggling act, I guess uh-huh. you could say. I, you know, <clears throat> my my dad is very into singing, and he's actually a, a great singer. He's a much better singer than I am, but uh, he. <laughs> He, um, you know, instilled a love of music and singing in me from a very young age. Mm-hmm. We used to sing in kind of cultural shows. Uh-huh. Um, my, my family is from Bangladesh originally, mm-hmm. and my parents actually moved from, you know, they, they emigrated here. So mm-hmm. my dad was involved in lots of kind of uh, Bangladeshi cultural functions and organizations yeah. around uh, the tri-state area. And he used to sing at a lot of these functions with, you know, several of his friends. And I used mm-hmm. to go when I was like three and four and five years old on stage with him and kind of, you know, accompany oh, so him and cool. or like sing a little song. It was, it was probably pretty bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that sounds like a really, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of, you know, coming to a brand new country and, you know, not totally. knowing anyone, not understanding the culture there, but bringing some of your own culture. This is getting into like sociological stuff. We'll promise I'll bring it back to acapella, but it makes a lot of sense that. Uh, you know, the music would be a way to bond with the community and bond with your family totally. and um, have a real cultural significance in your lives. And that's really cool that that was the source of kind of your inherent, like, quote unquote, training, even though it was just something you were doing, like with your family. Absolutely. That's that's really cool. And I wish I had gone to my church more and sung and that stuff. Cause I think <laughs> it would have made me much better when I was starting out. Uh, So what are you doing now, Shabs? What is, what is, I mean, I've read your bio and it's filled with a billion things, but 
for uh, all of those um, who don't Facebook stalk you and read all about what you're doing. What's uh, what what do you do right now? Well, now I actually kind of juggle two careers, one mm-hmm. in kind of the more finance, um, more kind of, uh, I would say, I don't work directly in finance, but I, I work in uh, analytics. I do mm-hmm. analytics for a, a software sales company. Oh, wow. Uh, and I also do a number of acapella projects now, including arranging, and I do you know workshops. I travel to do workshops with various groups, and I judge various competitions all over. And you know, I'm living in Boston now, uh, which is where I went to school. I continued living here after. I arrange music. I coach groups. I oversee several projects within the general acapella world. Um, but I would say the uh, you, you know the primary the big things that I get to do uh, now are probably working on uh, kind of as a consultant slash you know person on the show Sing It On. Yeah. Um, I help out with that, so that's a Pop TV's uh, reality docu series on yep, acapella yep. groups, kind of vying for the title of ICCA champion and kind of mm-hmm. documents their journey through the whole ICCA process. Uh, we just had season two, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. And so I was featured on a couple episodes of that. And I also helped the producers kind of, you know, things that they need when I, where I have some insight into yeah. the acapella world. And then I also do um, arranger. I'm, the, I'm still the lead arranger for the Nor'easters, so I still mm-hmm. continue to arrange most of their music. And then I would say another major thing that I do is directing at Acapella Academy, which mm-hmm. is a Los Angeles-based summer camp. Uh, it was actually founded by Pentatonix's Avi Kaplan, as well as mm-hmm. uh, Ben Bram and Rob Dietz, who worked on uh, NBC's The Sing-Off. Yep. So, you know, that's a super fun organization that I get to work for. I was one of the original directors of that group, uh, of that organization, rather. And um, this, we just finished our third season of Acapella Academy. So Congratulations. Thank you. Super fun this year. I actually had, like, a, a new experience, because usually I had uh, been you know, directing the large pop ensemble Mm -hmm. at Acapella Academy. And this year I actually directed the small R&B women's ensemble, which was super cool. It was our first ever like all female R&B ensemble at camp. It was very cool. Very cool. Man, that's, uh, wow. So that is a huge resume of acapellaite activities. So congratulations (laughs) uh, to you for doing all that that's Thank um you. that's that's a lot of stuff to just physically do <laughs> you know limited amount of time so what I, I do it on nights and weekends <laughs> okay that you know just don't sleep just you kind of get rid of that part of life <laughs> um so what i'd like to hear about you know i'm a i arrange a little bit i arrange with a close friend of mine i'm not really um i'm just really starting to get more into it it's just never been something i've i've spent a lot of time doing and i'd love to hear uh, what your process is like when you arrange because it's just you know it's a it's one of the like core pillars of the acapella community and we've done an episode in the past on arranging and I just think you know you can't not, you can't talk about acapella without talking about the arrangements because the arrangements can sometimes be like they're almost equally as important as the people singing them so I'd love to hear about what your personal philosophy and approach towards arranging is. Sure. So, I mean, it's a really broad kind of topic, right? Arranging. Yeah. And every single arranger has a totally different, you know, can have a totally different set of 
you know, ways that they, they arrange. And I mm-hmm. think that a lot of people operate with certain rules of thumb and different bylaws and different kind of just methods of arranging. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my arranging has actually really kind of transformed over the years, I would say. I started sense. out in, in kind of notation and I was very comfortable with, you know, you know, the, the theory that you needed to create a successful acapella arrangement, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, um, I started a notation software and kind of went from there. I would sing things to myself in my head. And then I kind of moved into a more recording-based way of arranging. I I started, you know, in GarageBand and I would open up a bunch of different empty tracks and I would layer myself on top of, oh, you know, my voice cool. on top of itself yeah. to create textures and this was when I was really really interested in building new kinds of textures Mm -hmm. Um, kind of taking my arranging to the next level and saying well okay I've now mastered uh, you know figuring out a bass line a solo some chords and some interesting syllables that don't you know aren't overused Mm -hmm. and now I want to really create some cool textures and so then I got into that whole you know world of creating textures by layering my voice on top of itself and then I did that for some time and then after a while I was like oh wait okay I am getting overly involved in texture and now my arrangements are a little bit too vertical and mm-hmm. I need to create more line so then I started uh, really stripping back my arrangements and really worked on figuring out like the main motifs and and really featuring those motifs and kind of extrapolating more information from a, a single motif or musical idea and and repeating it or mm-hmm. manipulating it in some way and and then repeating it over the course of a song and and that's that's kind of where I've landed it's it's somewhere in between this kind of like vertically stacked maximalist texture mm-hmm. field soundscape and like kind of melodious horizontal lines that are just kind of pretty to listen to and yeah. so that's I'd say I'm kind of at like a and and I love trio writing obviously that's mm-hmm. like a major a major tenet for me it's just like strong kind of like gospel trios mm-hmm. um i guess i you know and, and back to your question like where do i start i i probably start at the baseline and the solo and the general like buzzwords that i want and then i think it kind of evolves from there like once yeah. i have that i think things change and i'm like oh you know i just you know something inspired me to kind of rethink this part and I will say one thing that I always do with an arrangement is I don't limit myself to starting at the beginning of the arrangement. I always start Ooh. at the part of the song that is most interesting to me. It's, uh, you know, sometimes I'm very interested in an original song like Bridge or uh-huh. like the second verse. I'm like, oh, these lyrics are really speaking to me. So I always start there. Um, sometimes, yeah, you know, more often than not, I start with like what I'm going to make the climax of the piece. And then I kind oh, of work wow. backwards from there. Um, I oh, found that so it just makes, yeah, you know, I, it, I feel that it gives the arrangement a little bit more cohesion when you can set up what you want that final aha moment to be yeah. and then kind of work backwards um, and build it. And it's it's really good for kind of building momentum. That makes so much sense. Oh, man, I want to try that because how I've uh, normally done it with my, like, uh, ranging buddy, we, we've always started right at the beginning and our approach has always been start like uh, and we've talked about this on a previous episode start really small and then 
like so we have so we can kind of when we get to that climax or the uh, aha moment as you said we uh, it's really big by comparison but that's so interesting starting from the big aha moment and then working backwards so then i want man i wonder which is i mean obviously it depends on the song but i i'm definitely want to try that yeah i think it's a worth it totally worth exploring that because you know when i picture an acapella arrangement when i listen to a pop song on the radio i, I like to arrange pop music and i like mm-hmm. to kind of reimagine it um in in ways that keeps it keeps it interesting and artistic but also keeps it accessible to people i like it when people know which song like they're listening to so that they can have some kind of point of reference or mm-hmm. or some kind of uh way to compare excuse me some way to compare the song or some kind of benchmark and so i do like arranging pop music but i don't like how maybe sometimes shallow pop music can be musically yeah. speaking um so i do like to really delve in and and get a little bit more musical while still keeping absolutely it but I kind of envision when I'm listening to a pop song, I kind of envision like the ground and the sky and the setting and all of the atmosphere and ever, all of the people and characters inside the space. I, I often like paint a picture or, or kind of have like this movie in my mind about what what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. It, it doesn't have to be purely narrative, but it's it's a lot more um, it's a lot more visual for me. And so I like to arrange, and you know that's when I'm arranging for larger groups. I have mm-hmm. the ability to to take that more maximalist approach. I, I really do like arranging for, you know, 10 plus voices because mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of tools to use people where I want to and not feel like I'm limited. So lately I've been pr- practicing um, arranging for smaller groups because of, uh, you know, the necessity for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to Acapella Academy and being a director here, we do deal primarily with smaller groups. I would say I had the larger groups for the first two years, but this year I had a group of seven, but if you really kind of boil that down, minus VP, minus soloist, mm-hmm. we're only really working with five voices. Yeah. Um, and four if you don't count bass. So, you know, it's, I, I have definitely had a practice arranging for smaller groups Mm -hmm. i would say i prefer to arrange for 10 plus voices because it's just i have more tools to kind of play with Mm -hmm. and really create the atmosphere that i like but you know i think i think it's really good for arrangers to arrange for several different group formats and styles that that you know that makes a lot of sense i was just working on um uh, in re- rearranging the, I don't know if you've heard it, the Blanks, they're the acapella group from the TV show Scrubs. They did a cover of the song Superman, and I was just trying to expand it from four voices to five voices, and they're all tenor-based voices. And I was doing that, and I was then I was looking at an arrangement, another arrangement for SATB, and I just, I have always arranged for four to five tenor-based voices, and when I'm looking at, you know, large SATB groups, I just, I really just frankly don't know what to do as much my approach Mm. which um my kind of arranging buddy has always kind of taught me is he likes to arrange for smaller groups just because he's been in more smaller groups and to approach it kind of as like you know you only have four to five voices it's like but you want to get all the stuff out there and you kind of it's you're kind of tying one hand behind your back in a sense but yes doing so yeah. yeah and his approach is in doing so you can come up sometimes with more creative solutions that you wouldn't that aren't the most obvious which i totally buy and that's generally been kind of my philosophy but it's also in a sense like handicapped me in that i don't really know what to do when i have all the voices i need when i'm looking at 10 voices i'm just like 
Uh, well, I'm not sure. Do they all come in at once? Does it all? Do we all start together, or do I layer it on? I, I so I find it so cool that you've pretty much done the exact opposite, and now you're kind of delving into the other side, and I've done the exact opposite of you, and I'm just I'm kind of floundering in in regards to that, and I think it's, um, I think your approach in talking about characters and where you start and how you envision the whole. That gives me a lot of insight into when I do an SATB arrangement or a lo- just or in a, like a 10-part arrangement of something. So I'm curious, do you generally, what, what, are the difference, what are the differences you find in composing for large SATB versus large TB groups? Like what are the, um, the skills and the tools that you use to kind of, uh, you know, because they're, they're they're literally yeah, different instruments. What 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 do you do? Because I because I clearly don't know what to do, so I really want to know. I so when it comes to arranging for large SATB groups and large, large TTBB groups, I generally keep the arranging style the same because mm-hmm. the male falsetto can really reach you know heights very high, very similar yeah. to what a female soprano can do. Uh, so I, I keep the general ideas very similar. So I like to arrange in kind of groups of three and work within those groups of three to create certain units. And mm. I, I consider a unit, you know, just something that is moving homophonically or moving at the same time. Um, it can be harmonized or it can be in unison. But I like to keep, you know, maybe two or three units happening, no more than three units happening at the same time, uh, just for clarity's sake. But when it comes to arranging for SATB and then TTBB groups, I, I keep the overall style mm-hmm. the same, generally. I mean, unless, obviously, we have to take into consideration the style of the song. Yeah. I may not consider arranging the same song for a mixed group that I would yeah. for an all-male group. But if we take that out of the equation, <clears throat> um, I generally think that having an understanding of the way that the female voice works and the way that the male voice works, especially in the higher register, that is going to be key to understanding how to arrange, uh, um, because it's all about, it's all about amplitude and power. Mm -hmm. So, well, maybe not all, but that is a major aspect of, of arranging in those kind of higher voices. It's what are the higher voices intended to do? Um, in some cases I like to arrange really soft, you know, kind of head voice really hooty and uh sounds for altos in a higher more mezzo or lower soprano range Mm -hmm. and sometimes uh you can get that same effect by having tenors kind of go up into their head voice uh you know anywhere past like b flat and then Mm -hmm. beyond but then you know, sometimes in an SATB group, I want really like hard hitting, belting mezzo sopranos who are yeah. just like belting, you know, really high things. And you may, may don't have male voices to do that. So if you give someone like this really hard hitting harmony to the solo line in a pop or rock song, and then in an SATB group, that'll sound awesome when you have the mezzos kind of belting that out because it's right in the middle of their strongest part of their range. Mm-hmm. But then if you have your tenor ones in a TTBB group singing that in the same octave, you're not going to get that same power, yeah. obviously, barring you know the specific people that you have in your group. But generally speaking, yeah. you don't have that ability. So maybe you decide as an arranger, okay, we're going to take this down into the tenor two range, and mm-hmm. we're going to have that person kind of powerfully belting out that same harmony down the octave or maybe a yeah. different harmony or something like that. So you get the same kind of impact of the vocal line and the the kind of 
climax and power of it without yeah um, yeah so yeah i know what you mean i feel like almost the opposite of that that i've heard um is when like in a you know whatever pop song where there's like a really high tenor who like in the original and it's just belting it out or whatever and then i think it was it was at the icca quarterfinals this year in portland i want to say it was um i can't remember what song it was but i remember two groups did um Oh, it was Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. And uh, there was an SCTB ah. group that did it and a TTBB group that did it. And the uh, TTBB group uh, that performed, it had like a great tenor soloist who could really do like full voice belt it. And it was awesome. And then, and this is kind of the opposite of what you're talking about. The other, the flip side, the alto in the, there was, they had an alto do it in the SATB group. And for her, it's like too comfortable probably. it was too comfortable it just didn't sound like the height yeah. of the vocal line it just sounded it just sounded like it, it sounded like it would be part of the verse not like a high-hitting belting chorus totally and i think that's a great example of just as an arranger understanding that you have the power to change the key of a song yep 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 you yep. have you can literally do the song in any key you want when i when i'm arranging for so i had to adapt the arrangement of honeymoon avenue by ariana grande which i did for the nor'easters mm-hmm. and they wanted to sing it but they were an all-male group and they were like oh well can you just we could just sing it right like we can just sing this and i was like mm. no, no 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 you definitely want to reconstruct this it can be the same quote-unquote arrangement but it needs to be revoiced for an yeah. all-male that's very important. And we also change the key um, because, you know, if, if the song, if those hard hitting, those big moments are not in like a sweet spot where it's like just, yeah. you know, if it's, if it's a high part, it's just beyond the normal range so that you can really work for it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to sound good. And, yeah. you know, these soprano parts that are happening in the original arrangement are not going to be sung the same way by tenor one and vice versa you know it, it, it would never work that way same same with the kind of you know sometimes i adapt a lot i work with a lot of all female groups too and so if i'm adapting satb arrangements for ssaa i have the similar you know issues so i think that it's really yeah. important to understand that you have a lot of power to do whatever you want as an arranger you really can and so i think people need to think outside the box i think that's one piece of advice i can give it's think a little bit outside the box when you are arranging for you know if you're moving from one format mm-hmm. to another format i definitely i definitely yeah, think it's different we, we limit ourselves we, we honestly limit ourselves i think i absolutely agree and i remember uh, speaking to that uh, in my vocal pedagogy class in my senior year of undergrad, they kind of compared the uh, standard tenor bass range with the soprano alto range and like showed where the passaggio is and the differences in the range. And it's not like the soprano alto range is the same as the tenor bass range an octave up. Like they, the colors change and they get into different, the passaggio and their belt and everything, they change at different spots. So it's totally. not just one's an octave higher it's it's literally a different instrument so uh at that same icca i remember they did katie perry's um another group did katie perry's uh et and they had like they did it in the same key and they had a guy soloist and a girl soloist the girl soloist and i'm like again she was really belting it out it was in her sweet spot but for the guy soloist it's like the opposite of the opposite i was talking about earlier it was just too comfortable so i think it's um oh he was singing it down the octave yeah so it was just like so it was in like a baritone range me kiss me it's just like yeah it just doesn't sound 
I think uh, it, I think it totally speaks to what you're talking about in regards to, you know, not just taking something and changing the octave. You have to change it not just for the range, but for the instruments and the good parts of their range, not just the range in general. Totally. Sweet. So I think uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to listen to a tune that Shams has arranged for the Nor'easters, and then we are going to be right back here on Tacapella. Again, I'm your host, John Lampus, with guest Shams Ahmed here on Acaville Radio. You're listening to Tacapella, and we're going to be right back. Let's hear a song that Shams arranged for the Nor'easters. Don't wake me up, I'm trying to find you. Oh, as I walk through, you're hiding in the corners of my mind. Never fear, I'll be close behind. Will I know? Listening to community supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where every instrument is portable. And welcome back to Tacapella on Acaville Radio. Ooh, man, I want to like. 
capture that as a sound bite and just have it as a ringtone. That was very, <laughs> or just like have that on our, um, just instead of having every guest do it from now on, I'll just have your voice do it. And everyone's going to oh, be man. like, that doesn't sound like me, but I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so again, uh, this, our guest today is Shams Ahmed from the Nor'easters and he is their main arranger and you can look up his bio. And if you haven't heard the beginning of this episode, we're going to air it again later in the week and talk about Shams uh, gives you the whole rundown of his wide resume of everything he's done a cappella, and one of the biggest things he's done was direct the Nor'easters during his undergrad. And the Nor'easters are a favorite of the station. I'm not just saying that; like, it's so nice when I need to find something from the Nor'easters and listen to it. I'm like, oh, this is really nice to listen to. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I played them on a lot of theme hours. So, you know, I always try to diversify you know quote unquote diversify every episode topic like have them stand on their own but something i've really come to realize in doing this show is that you know everybody can talk about leading their own group and it's going to be a different story for every person everyone has a different perspective so i'd love to hear kind of your story with uh the nor'easters and your kind of approach to being uh the group leader because i think uh the more of these i hear on the show the more of these the average acapella listener who maybe wants to lead a group or get back into leading a group they can learn more from it so if you just want to tell us what that was all about and what you learned and what you did with all that i think that would be great to hear yeah so my time with the nor'easters started my freshman year of college i attended northeastern university in boston Mm -hmm. and um you know I, i came to college after having made the decision to not go into music as a career path, um, you know, obviously fast, excuse me, fast (laughs) forward five years, uh, you know, five, six years and things are a little different now. But (laughs) at that time I was really, you know, I had made that kind of binary decision that I was going to move into the finance world and kind of study business and study finance and study Mandarin, um, as a language. And, and so when I went to college, I was really interested in finding some kind of extracurricular singing activity that I could do to kind of supplement, um, you know, all of the the academic work that I, I would start doing. I had like a really, you know, hardcore music life in high school mm-hmm. and I wanted to at least continue a little bit of that. And when I got to Northeastern, the acapella groups were really kind of unimpressive, I guess. You know, there there was no group that was just like, oh, wow, this group is awesome and I want to be in this group I it was really tough and uh, to even listen to a lot of the groups <laughs> yeah I mean you know hey yeah I've been but, there I've uh, seen that we I think we've all kind of been like seen that when we you know whenever we all go to a new school or something we see the groups and we're like yeah oh oh I mean yeah yeah no it's, it's really time <laughs> I mean, Northeastern University in 2008 was not the like acapella juggernaut that it is now i think as a university now really all the groups at northeastern are very good yeah um but back then it was not the case (laughs) um so you know i went and i had auditioned for a bunch of the groups and or all the groups that i was eligible to um Mm -hmm. and you know i got in and i got into the nor'easters and you know, we started in the group was very social. It was uh, it was fun. And I made a lot of older friends. Um, so I felt kind of cool. You know, I was friends with older <laughs> people. And and yeah, on weekends, I like didn't have to do the normal freshman thing. I got to do like fun other things with like Dude. older. <laughs> so, that was, like, so true. Super cool. And so, you know, that was nice. And 
I think it was clear to some other members, you know, and the people that I actually came into the Nor'easters with, uh, we were all very interested, I would say, in making the group more musically proficient. And so mm-hmm. we kind of started talking about, you know, oh, one day when we take over this group, you know, we'll be leadership and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And and pretty soon, you know, I started kind of helping out too at rehearsal with like leading warm ups or mm-hmm. just showing my interest in general that, you know, I'm interested in doing these things. Look at me. Um, <laughs> and I think some of the older members, you know, I think felt one of two ways. Like one, they were like, oh, you know, this kid Shams, he's like so nice and like he knows some music <laughs> stuff and he's like, he really wants to, he's like so cute. Like, oh, he wants to make this group good. Like, that's so cute. And then other people were like, oh my God, like screw this guy. He's so annoying. He just wants to like make this group like serious and weird. (laughs) So I, you know, so it was, it was kind of like that. And then, you know, one of the older, I remember that one of the older members of the Nor'easters at the time, his name was George Barcini. um, Just like, just awesome, awesome dude. He came up to me one day. We were like sitting outside like the campus grocer mm-hmm. and we were like, and he was like, you know what, Shams, like, it's clear to me that you are not, you know, satisfied with what this group is doing and I'm not either and a bunch of people aren't. And I think that you are really in a position where you can take over and like make something of this group. Mm-hmm. And I was like, gee whiz. Like, <laughs> gee <laughs> like, willikers. Oh. Yeah, like me. Um, so, you know, I, I, as kind of cliche as it sounds, I mean, I felt like that moment was really an empowering moment for me because Absolutely. somebody that I, re- I looked up to in the group said, like, I think you can make something happen for this group, like you personally. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, like clearly somebody's going to be on my team if like this ever came to a vote. Yeah. So I thought, you know, oh, at the end of this year, I will run for music director and see if that even happens. Mm-hmm. So incidentally, the Nor'easters had um, auditions, or sorry, uh, elections for their leadership every semester because Northeastern is a school that engages in experiential learning through the co-op system, the cooperative learning system. Mm -hmm. And so actually there is a lot of turnover every semester. And so, you know, that's kind of another thing that we had to deal with through my my time as leadership. But um, for now, basically, I had expressed that I was interested in music director eventually and people nominated me for music director and we ended up having a vote and I won by like one single vote <laughs> pretty much after I got music director. So I was like very surprised and shocked that I got music director for the second semester of freshman year. Yeah. But, you know, half the group seemed one plus half the group. <laughs> I guess half the group plus one person thought that, you know, I was I was going to be a good music director. Um, and it was funny because I'm pretty sure the other half of the group quit after oh I became music director. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um, it happens. But, you know, and that's when I felt a little bit more empowered to say, like, okay, I feel like we can really make something of this group. And I, I had a lot of kind of wishes and dreams for this group. I wanted to be well-known in the acapella community. I wanted... I wanted, you know, so many things. I wanted like the best singers to come and be in this group, but I, we really didn't achieve any of that until we started kind of faking it until we made it. Yeah, I guess I'd say. Um, so like right when I became music director, we we brought some new arrangements in. Um, we started doing shows. I mean, we still kind of sucked. Like as a singing group, <laughs> we're terrible. Um, but then the next year, we I decided, I was like, you know, we're just going to take anyone who can sing mm-hmm. into this group. And I don't care if we have 25 people because we just need to, we have no idea what we're doing. 
So we need to have a million people to choose from and then we'll figure it out. We'll like have very open and candid conversations with these people saying like, okay, is this a good fit? Yeah. So that next fall semester rolled around and we took like maybe like 10 people into the group. Yeah. And by the end of the year, we saw a turnover of like almost 20 people. We had taken 10 people in the fall. We had taken like a person during the, actually one of my current best friends, um, Tom Fassett, we actually took him in the middle of that fall semester. And then in the spring semester, we took another whole crop of people and then a bunch of people quit and we like had to kick a bunch of people out. And it was just, (laughs) it was really crazy. Um, That was that was a year, a very transformative year for the Nor'easters. It was like, it was like a, how you can, uh, I don't know if I can say this on air, but it's, it was a shit storm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I believe that. It, it was crazy because we just, we were learning and we were learning by, um, you know, by just kind of going Urging. in head first and like not even caring about like what the consequences were. Cause we were like, just like, forget it. Let's just do this. Yeah. So we took a bunch of people, a bunch of people quit. We were learning more and more each day about like how to sing a cappella and like try and act like we're cool. <laughs> and then the following year was really a, a, a big year because by the end of my sophomore year at Northeastern or with the Northeasters, we were like, oh, okay, we, we can kind of sound good-ish mm-hmm. because we went to a quarterfinal. I remember this. Another point of validation for me was like, oh, <laughs> I won best arrangement at a quarterfinal. I was like, oh my God, maybe I'm an okay arranger. <laughs> and we came in second place to then very good friends um, are uh, pitch slapped at Berkeley. Oh, the wow. Northeasters yeah. pitch we, we like really did a lot of gigs together during my first few years at Northeastern. Um, we did like, you know, bar gigs together and we had after parties. And I mean, some of these after parties were really insane. Probably won't get into <laughs> the details of those. But um, there was a lot, there's just a lot of interaction with that group, I'll say. Um, and so we actually came in second place to pitch slapped. And this was when they did their really kind of storied version of Halo, uh, oh, yeah. soloed by my yep. good friend Hannah. Um, and and we came in second to them we won best arrangement and we were going to semifinals and i was like oh okay so it is possible for us to be shitty and go to semifinals (laughs) in that moment i I thought we were really bad but you know maybe we were getting somewhere Uh so then the following fall semester we really decided okay we're gonna buckle down we were so lucky to get just like some really really strong singers in the group i don't know if you're familiar with like the actual people in the nor'easters but we that was the year we got um you know some really great soloists Mm -hmm. uh ty myers to name one uh excellent male soloist that we had for a long time and then sam creighton who has gone on to just like be you know a superstar in her own regard Mm -hmm. um so we were able to take those people in you know addition to some other amazing talents that year and that was really when we you know, I started as an arranger to really focus myself on what I was good at, what I liked. Uh, we started getting a greater sense of the pulse of the group, understanding the musical, uh, you know, the the musical directions that people wanted to go in, uh-huh. the, the taste, just kind of refining all that more and more. We were still learning. We still didn't get it right. But, you know, that year we came out with um, a version of Bonnie Vare's Woods. And that was, you yeah. know, one that we... We talked about that on a on an uh, another episode with our uh, head guy Aaron. Such a good arrangement. Oh, thank you. Uh, that was actually, honestly, I will say that was the first arrangement that I did for the Nor'easters where I was like, okay, this is like good. I was actually <laughs> happy. I was happy with it. I was like, this is not bad. 
this is hopefully the direction that this group is going to go in. And then from there, I, I really felt more confident. I think it's about, I know it's, it's, I think it's human nature. It's like, we seek validation. We want to know that the efforts that we're putting into something are going to be worthwhile in the end. Mm-hmm. And it in turn makes me, makes me feel good. Like if I know that yeah. someone enjoys singing this arrangement and I, you know, did the chart, then I will be happy. It'll give me a lot of satisfaction. And I think that kind of compounds itself over time. And I was able to have so many amazing semesters as the music director of the Nor'easters that my satisfaction was able to compound and, I was able to like really reap those benefits and continue to stay motivated to arrange more and become better and learn more and and stuff like that. So it was through a combination of getting better people and me being more confident as an arranger and as and uh, as sorry and as a leader, and mm-hmm. then also coupled with obviously the people in the group were much more ta- getting more talented each year. We were mm-hmm. able to access you know the prime talent at Northeastern. Uh, we started reaching out to other people outside of our own group. We started picking up some awards. We were making a, a bit of a name for ourselves in the community, and that afforded us certain opportunities to talk with and kind of interface with other people who had learned a lot or were a little older than us or yeah. kind of had more experience. And, and so that helped us a lot, too. And, um, you know, after that, after that kind of year, I would say, we started really ramping up in terms of the quality of our of the the music we were putting out there and and kind of how much we we love the music we were putting out there i think that was also important um you know as time went on we were more invested in our projects that we were doing and mm-hmm. we were just genuinely more excited to be with each other and then by the by the time i graduated in the nor'easters we were such an institution at northeastern um you know, starting my senior year. I mean, my senior year was a great year for the Nor'easters, mm-hmm. and it was a great for me to end up my end out my kind of tenure as music director. We we went to So Jam in the fall after having taken literally. Uh, we took like a whole new women's section, pretty much. We had to like mm-hmm. rebuild a completely new women's section from scratch almost, and go to So Jam in like November, maybe yeah, it was like the beginning of November. November, so super early in the year, and we ended up winning that competition. It was very nice. awesome. It was a great point of validation for our new, you know, all of our new members mm-hmm. uh, to give them the confidence to kind of go through the rest of the year and work yeah. really hard to then, you know, earn a num like a number of caras for that the album three, which mm-hmm. you guys play, yep. um, which is awesome, and then also to finally win the ICCA competition, um, the championship in New York, which was really cool, but I don't think it would have been possible without the work of all of the people before that final 2013 group that, you know, ended up winning. Yeah. So I think that th- we tried to instill the sense of like, there are a number of people who came before you who have put their time in to give you an experience that you will now build upon. And I think that that's how we've kind of created you know, hopefully, um, you know, an institution where now we're seeing people come to Northeastern to be in the yeah. in the North, just insane to me. The idea that people co- choose the college based on what acapella group they, they want to be in. That's Absolutely. to me insane. I'm seeing that way more and more actually now with Acapella Academy uh, because we are coaching 13 to 18 year olds in high school. Yeah. And a lot of our staff members are from, you know, the 
kind of big groups that exist. You know, we have so-called vocals, we have pitch slapped. These groups are represented heavily in our staff. And so we influence a lot of the kids who come to Acapella Academy to then go to these schools because yeah. they look up to the staff members. They want to be in those groups. They're exposed to those groups. So it's really interesting to me how it's kind of like new generation of people. And, you know, it's it's a subset. It's not a huge part of all students going into college. But there is a group yeah. of people who is very interested in choosing their college based on what Acapella group they want to be in. And that to me is huge compared to absolutely huge oh absolutely man that is inspiring that is an inspiring story if i've ever heard one you could awesome we're gonna take a one more quick break here and we're gonna uh, when we're back we're gonna wrap up the episode talking about uh acapella academy we'll be right back here on talk acapella You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. She's back in the atmosphere With drops of Jupiter in her hair She acts like summer and walks like rain Reminds me that there is time to change Since her return from a stay on the moon She listens like spring and she talks like June But tell me, did you sail across the sun? Did you make it to the Milky Way to see the lights are fading? That heaven is overrated Tell me, did you fall from a shooting star? So while she does top all reminds me that there is room to grow That she's back in the atmosphere I'm afraid that she might think of me as A plain old Jane told the story about a man Who was too afraid to fly so he never did leave But tell me, did the wind sweep you up your feet? Yeah. 
I know you're wrong Can you imagine all the stats freeze-dried moments Five out phone conversation The best or latte that you've ever had We are back here on Tacapella. We're just about to wrap up this hour with our freaking awesome guest, Shams Ahmed. He has been in the Nor'easters and revolutionized that group. That's what he just finished talking about. He's a great arranger. And he's also involved in Acapella Academy, which was founded by the base of a little group called Pentatonics. And Shams is very much involved in Acapella Academy. So we're going to use our last few minutes here as we close up near the end of this hour just to hear a little bit about acapella academy uh i don't really know what it is and i really want to learn more about it so shams acapella academy like tell me what it is go so acapella academy is a summer camp for 13 to 18 year old singers um we have it in la uh in this beautiful campus at mount st mary's uh, it's on this amazing like mountains of brentwood in la and it's just <laughs> it's just amazing seriously it's a. Uh, it's an amazing experience where we basically audition these kids and then place them into um, seven to eight acapella groups for, you know, like nine days. I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly how long the program is, but um, and each one of those groups is directed by a different person. So some of the directors have, you know, I'm one of the directors and, mm-hmm. you know, other people, some notable directors are like India Carney. um Tracy Robertson, mm-hmm. uh, Hannah Giuliano was a director, uh, Chris Diaz. You know, we have several awesome people yeah. on staff. And so obviously I didn't mention all of the directors, but um, the staff is really, really a major reason why I love going back because they're some of my very best friends. And, um, you know, the camp, as you mentioned, was founded by Avi Kaplan of mm-hmm. Pentatonics and uh, Ben Bram, as well as Rob Dietz. And and Ben Bram, if you don't know, is the arranger, the primary arranger for Pentatonics, mm-hmm. um, also a very dear friend. And um, Rob Dietz uh, is an acapella arranger as well who sings with the Funks. And he um, also worked on the sing-off with Ben. Um and so anyway, so camp is, is super great. I love it. We have like kind of majors that we set up for the students mm-hmm. and they can be an arranging major. I personally teach the arranging major. 
Um, but we also have like vocal percussion. We have songwriting. This year was a new major for us, and we have vocal performance. and And so students can select which major they want to be in, and they'll take classes each day of the whole program that kind of tie into that major. They have elective classes that they can take, and then they have group rehearsals throughout the day, and then some kind of concert at night. You know, pentatonics will be a concert. We'll have groups like Impact, the Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. You know, just several amazing groups, um, uh, Aurora, mm-hmm. tons of awesome groups. And so the students learn a ton. They bond with each other. And then at the end, there's this big culminating showcase where all the groups get to perform, you know, their own set of two or three songs with full choreography. We have the choreographers from the sing-off uh, come and work on the numbers with the students. I mean, it's, it's hugely fulfilling. Um, we're all together. We have a lot of bonding activities. Just, it's a really great program, especially because, you know, and it, it, the music thing aside, I think it really creates a sense of community for these kids who, in some cases, don't have the resources to practice yeah. music at a high level. You know, it's these are people who are the only, you know, really talented singer in their entire high school or entire community in like, you know, Nebraska. Um <laughs> and and they are alienated because of their, you know, their want, their need to learn more and they don't have the resources necessary to kind of grow in that space. And so oftentimes they don't think that going into music or doing music as a career is a viable option for them simply because they don't have any role models who, yeah. you know, who they can aspire to be like. And um, and so hopefully at Acapella Academy, we, we kind of provide those people, whether it's someone who wants to keep music alive and you know in their lives without going into it professionally going into it you know fully and professionally they have you know people like me that they can look at and say okay well shams does a lot of music but he also has you know another type of job and so i could like be a doctor and also be a musician but then they also have role models on staff that you know are full-time musicians obviously avi is a major uh kind of hallmark staff member (laughs) obviously he was the founder of camp but uh Mm. So, you know, we, we try our best to make sure we're inspiring the kids in a lot of broad ways, just try and be mentors to them. And, you know, we end up just creating such an amazing, amazing week for these kids. And they have the sense of community and they take it with them for, I think that they're going to take it with them forever because the way that these people now interact with each other after having gone to camp, I mean, they visit each other, they travel, they go mm-hmm. to each other wherever they may be, they see each other's shows, they support each other. And it's just an amazing thing to see those relationships kind of grow from, you know, they were born at camp and they kind of like continue to grow and they're yeah. going to be the leaders of like their acapella groups in college and they already are. And they are, you know, it's it's really amazing to see some of our first year academy students now like being the music director of their acapella group in college. It's so cool. It's so rewarding. Absolutely. Man, that's a best three, like three and a half minute pitch I've ever heard. I wish I had like done, I mean, it wasn't a thing then, but I wish I had had some, I absolutely wish I had had something like that when I was in high school because that's, oh man, that sounds like such a great opportunity. Uh, Well, I think that's pretty much all the time we have today. Shams, thank you so much for being a guest here on Talkapella. So Shams, if people want to tweet at you, get a hold of you, like how, what's your, what's your Twitter link? Twiddle. What is your uh, Twitter handle? How could they do that? Um, so if you want to get a hold of me, you can 
do so by following me on the various social media sites, um, following at the only Shams you know, which <laughs> is probably true for you. Um, if you're listening to this, you, I am probably the only Shams you know. Yeah. And uh, so you can follow me there. I'm very active on Instagram, uh, also on Snapchat. You can find me. Um, my handle on Snapchat is Snap for Shams. And ah, that's that's nice alliteration there. <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, everyone, you already know all mine. I say it every time. You can, if you want to get hold of me, want to be in, on an episode of Tacapella or have an idea for a topic, tweet me at John Lampus. And of course, if you want to be involved in Acaville or like come on, just get involved with the station or just want to say hi, tweet us at Acaville Radio. This has been an awesome return for Tacapella after a little bit of a hiatus. It's the beginning of season two, our first guest with the fabulous Shams Ahmed. I'm your host, John Lampus. This is Acaville Radio. And for everything Acapella, stay tuned.